Welcome to the Strut South podcast. In this episode, we've got Justin Addison, another member of Strut South TV. We're going to be talking with him about, you know, kind of what he does, his the ins and the outs of the way he hunts and how he gets ready for deer season. And we're going to talk about some bucks that he hunted last year. And we're also going to talk about scent control and hunting in the South. So enjoy the show. Welcome to Strut South Podcast. This is episode three, I believe. And we've got Justin here with us with Strut South. He's also co-owner of the show. And we've been trying to get him on here. And eventually we're going to get all the other guys on here. But right now we've got Justin. So what's up, man? What's up? Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, today, what we want to talk about is probably just, you know, kind of the way that, you know, you do stuff and uh, kind of the way you hunt. The last episode we had was pretty much stuff that, you know, the way I did things. And I think we're going to talk about some wind stuff and how we hunt deer down here in the south and the wind and stuff like that, so... But if you could start and like start out, just uh, I guess let everybody know kind of you know who you are and you know what you do and stuff like that. I guess um, I've been hunting pretty much the same two pieces, same two pieces of properties for the last I don't know twenty years. Um, both both of the properties that I hunt m- most of the time, um, I have some larger tracks that I do hunt. I get to hunt every now and then. Most of the properties that I hunt every now and then are both of them are 50 acres. Um, one of them is probably 90% pasture, and the other one is it's actually a little more than 50 acres on the other side. It's about 60, and it's a uh, it's probably 98% wooded. Um, there are big woods that surround the 50 acre tract that's mostly pasture, and usually there's some kind of food source in the pasture, and then on the the wooded track there's we have a small food plot a couple of small food plots that I plant usually just one or two um, a lot of oats on on the wooded track there's a um, several hardwood bottoms there's a lot of it's a lot of bedding area um, and the, the deer don't I mean it's not the deer don't don't flock to it but there there's several deer that stay on that 50 acre track and they call it home. Um, last year, off the top of my head, I had a bachelor group of about five legal bucks and legal by, when I say legal, we, the county, the counties that I hunt in and that a lot of us hunt in are uh, QDM red counties where uh, the regulations are the deer has to have four points on one side and tines must be he has to have at least four points on one side and tines must be at least one inch or longer um, to be considered a point. So, um, you know, I had one, one 50 acre track, I had um, five shooter bucks running back, not shooter bucks, five bucks, uh, two of the five were shooters and the other three were legal deer, uh, two and a half year old deer. And then a couple of deer that stayed to their self, a couple of other bucks stayed to their self on the 50 acres and they lived there. They they stayed there all the time and the two tracks are right across the road and you go right across the road and you see a whole another different group of deer um, and I killed um, the, the wooded track I, I really haven't had I killed my first buck there when I was 10 years old and I've hunted I've just hunted it all my life what um what are some of the uh, things that you're trying to do so far this summer to get ready well because I know you had you, you didn't you didn't shoot a buck last year did you no I killed two bucks last year on those properties no I shot one on a um, a larger a friend of mine's place biggest actually the biggest deer biggest buck I've ever killed 
I killed last year in uh, a neighboring county from where I hunt, which is Harris County. I killed a really good eight-pointer in Harris County, and uh, Gant's place is about 400 acres, 350, 400 acres, a lot of pasture. Um, it was kind of a, it was it was it was just a right place, right time deal. There wasn't no, there really wasn't any any planning in that. And then uh, on the 50 acre track, this must the pasture. I shot a buck that was five and a half years old that I'd been watching for several years, and he had a he had an infection on his. I think it was on his right side. Um, and his right, he just he he grew body wise. He's big body deer. I actually passed up on him several times during bow season and early rifle season and um, got to looking at pictures and he just, he, he never grew. He just, he matured and his rack just wasn't growing. And then when I did the European mount on the deer, I noticed that he had an infection up under his right, the right side, uh, his antler base. And that side was always messed up every year. There was always something wrong with it. So I had the opportunity to shoot him closer to the end of the season and I went ahead and, and shot him. But did you yeah, I remember you had a lot of run ins on those two on those two places that you've got, those two fifty acre places. Yeah. You had several run ins with a with a buck that you called Shorty B, right? Yeah, yeah. Um the I had a I had a lot of pictures of Shorty B and the camera angle the way the way the camera was were were all the pictures we had of Shorty B really made the deer look as not as big as they were is what I'm assuming. Um, the first time I had that, um, I had a ground blind set. It was first year hunting on the ground blinds. It is just, if you hunt the wind right and and you you hunt the blinds right and they're brushed in really good down here, and I mean brushed in like really good, we'll get into that later and we'll get into the wind stuff later, but so we finally had this wind I could, we could hunt the ground blind actually it wasn't the best wind it was just it was it was decent which was southeast which i don't we don't i didn't i didn't get i don't get a whole lot of southeast winds over there so um we hunted we went in and got in the ground blind it was hot man it was just scorching hot um it was about 90 degrees yeah that day. yeah it was, the <laughs> it was the second weekend of both season um and we're sitting there, and I said, I told um, Seth Hamer he was filming. And I told Seth, I said, man, this deer probably going to come and eat these, get up under these oak trees, and they'll probably be here around 7. That's all the camera, all the pictures that I had said the deer were coming there to the oaks around 7 o'clock. They start to filter in around 7 at, at that time. It was the time change going on yeah. and stuff. And, um, anyway, so... Pretty much like clockwork, we're just sweating to death in this blind. It's black on the inside. We got long clothes on, blacked out. Um, I'm a firm believer in wearing black clothes in the ground blind too. Like I said, we can get in, we'll get into that later. That's a different story. But I see, I look up and uh, see a deer coming through some pines and uh, just throw my binoculars up right away. And I told Seth, I said, hey, here comes some deer. And uh, the deer's walking with his head down. It's a little, it's a little hill, and I can't see his head, so I'm just watching. You know, and I can pretty much tell that it's a buck or it's a really, really big doe. And I'm watching binoculars, and he's like, "What is it?" You know, I was like, "I don't know." And he picks his head up, and I was like, "It's Shorty B." I was like, "Cut the camera on." The original plan was I was going to give Shorty B another year. The problem is I have neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they don't they don't shoot. I mean, they um, most of the guys that hunt that property. There's one individual that owns it, and he doesn't shoot small deer. He won't shoot young deer. Um, he has some clients that come down there that that will shoot some deer that they've shot several deer that I've let walk. I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, so I was worried when I was getting all the pictures that Shorty B wasn't going to make it. That it, it worried me that he wasn't going to make it to the to the season, but if he did, I knew he was going to be a giant. So, Shorty B comes in and he's up under these oaks, and um, when he when he comes in, I, as soon as I see him, I'm like, I, I really guessed him guessed him to be about 14 inches wide. I knew he had I knew his tines were tall. Um, 
I didn't know that he had as much mass as he did, but he's still like a young deer. He still looked like he was three and a half years old. So, um, anyway, he comes in, and when, as soon as he picks his head up, I just noticed that he's like two inches, two to three inches outside his ears on both sides. Um, and as soon as I saw him, I said, I told Seth, I said, man, that deer is a lot bigger than I thought he was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot him. So he comes in. And he's eating, um, eating acorns. And long story short, I draw the bow back. The deer is kind of nervous, which I should have let him calm down. But, I mean, I, ain't, I haven't killed a whole lot of, you know, big giant deer with my bow. So I was as nervous as he was probably. Um, I ranged him at 35, 36 yards around what he was. Drew the bow back, shot. He reacted to the shot going off. He dropped uh, somewhere probably in the range of about two to three feet before <laughs> the arrow got to him. I mean, it was, it was unreal. I've never had a – I've had deer duck, duck the string on me, and, uh, but I never had a deer drop that much. And I've shot a couple of bucks with my bow, a couple of, you know, decent bucks with my bow for down here. And when he dropped, uh, instead of dr kind of dropping and, and running, he did what most of the time he did. He dropped and he turned back left. And when he swung back left, the arrow hit him right behind the ear in the neck. And um, on the footage that's on YouTube, you hear, as soon as I shoot at him, I turn I, I said, did I hit him? He said, no, I think you missed him. And I said, I think I hit him in the neck. We went back and looked at the footage, and I just frame by framed it, and you could see the arrow just when it hit him, it just whack, and you could see him running off with this arrow sticking out of his neck, just flopping behind his ear. Um, we waited a few minutes and we walked down and um, couldn't find the arrow, and obviously it was still in the deer. We walked down the road a little bit. I I told Seth, I said, you know, let's just walk down the road and see if maybe we can find the arrow or something. I don't know. When we walked down the road, we found blood. And I'm just like, oh, here's, here's blood. And we got on some really good blood. The deer was, was literally, he just went down the road and then hooked back and I'm assuming it was bedded down. He he ran down the road and turned hard to his right and, and really kind of went 20 yards up in the woods and just kind of walked back towards us almost. Um, so we're tracking this deer, it's dark, it's, it's late, we, we've tracked it for a while. And we get in the blood where the deer was, it just, where he made the hook and like the U-turn, it just stops. And I was just like, you know, what happened? Like, did it, it did it clot up? He still got the air in his neck, where did, where, where's he at? So um, we went, I went back to where the deer had turned up the road and made the U-turn riding the U where he changed directions and there was blood going both ways. <laughs> so we had, we had walked in there with the flashlight and the deer was bedded on the hill and he got up and he walked right back to where, from where he came and he instead of yeah. turning back getting on the road with us, he just went straight. And we looked for him, ended up losing blood and never found him again. And Two weeks later, um, like he's gone. I'm just, I'm distraught. I'm just... It's hard for a hunter uh, in general to shoot a deer like that and know that that he's got an arrow sticking out of his neck. And then for two weeks he he doesn't show back up, and I'm just you know I'm just tore up about it, and I'm I'm worried that you know I, I shouldn't have shot at him anyway. And, you know, I should let him calm down. Just all the stuff that runs through your head to want to that you if you could do it over again, but you can't. So two weeks go by, I'm checking the camera, and I got another deer on there. I named uh, Yoga who was a four and a half year old eight pointer that I was gonna shoot. He was real he real good mass, massive deer, wide, but his his times had always been real short. Um so getting through there and I'm going through the car and there's like two thousand pictures on it, man. I'm just like just swiping because I kept the the camera set up on I know two thousand pictures, everybody was like, holy crap, you know, but um I'm swiping through the pictures and I got it set on where it does three shots standard mode burst. 
Yeah. I run the Browning camera and you can do rapid fire where it'll just, but I did it on three shot standard just where it just bump, bump, bump. And so 2,000 pitchers and I get to the very last pitcher and it's Shorty B and it's about two or three in the morning. And he stayed nocturnal the whole month, the rest of September, which I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, last time he was in there daylight, he got shot in the neck. <laughs> All of October and around November 1st or 2nd, I had a morning daylight picture of Shorty B in the in front of the same camera, bumping some does around. Um, and then he started to get, he started to ease back. He started coming in right at dusk dark. And, and but he, ne- he never went full blown like he was, but um, I really, I actually have a picture of this year from May of a deer that I really, really honestly believe is going to be Shorty B. And it's, I mean, it's like, you know, 930 in the morning. What are, what are some of the things that you're, that you've done so far or are going to do for this season? You know, I mean, right now, I'm, really, I'm, I'm just feeding the deer. I'm just, I want to take inventory of, of what deer I have. I want to see, you know, if I have some, on, on both the properties, on both 50-acre properties, really, if I don't have, if I don't get any pictures of deer in the early season that I think are worth chasing, then I'll just take my time getting ready, and I won't be in a rush to plant food plots, and, you know, I, won't, I may not, I may leave the stands in the same, some of the same locations on some of the places, and um, I just might not be in such a rush, but, but usually, at one place or the other, I'll have a deer that I will that I will deem worthy enough, and I'll get excited about hunting the, that deer, and and I'll make sure that I I keep feed out for them, and I'm feeding them all year long, or not all year long, but all during the off season, keep feeding the deer and keep them in there, and just want them to to feel comfortable in that spot. So when it when it does come time to do everything, and and if I need to reposition some stands, then I'll do that. I set up. I actually have a stand set that I hung. Um, like I have scrapes on the ground in the in the wooded in the wooded property. I've seen it on both properties, but in in the place that's real wooded, I have found scrapes on the ground August first, and that's that's the earliest I've ever found any any scrapes. But we had I had a deer cleaning scrapes out all the way up to the beginning of April. Yeah, yeah. The I, I heard I've heard a lot about people say that you know sometimes especially even in the summer they'll they'll still have they'll make scrapes in the summertime oh, yeah. and well, it'll be like a community scrape yeah yep well i i hung this particular stand set over a, a, a scrape set that was made early and they cleaned it out every all the time but what i learned was from hanging that stand set is that it did not matter what way the wind was blowing you couldn't hunt it so I've got to take it down and, and, and move it, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a learning game. Um, to hunt the wind down here in the south is just, it's unpredictable. With all, with all the covering stuff we had, the wind, the wind will swirl and um, it'll be, it, it'll, it'll just be crazy. But the best thing I did um, to hunt the wind was I would quit. I, w- I would take wind checker, and from the ground, I would. I never looked at my app to see which way the wind was blowing. I always take the wind checker and blow it, and it, and it would be. I'd be like, oh man, the wind's blowing a totally different way. Well, I learned that. Where the that particular, when I walked in that particular spot, the wind, the direction I was checking the wind, or the location I was checking the wind from, was on top of a hill, and for some reason, the wind always swirled. Yeah. So my my phone would say we're gonna have a, a southeast wind, and I check it, and it'd be like northeast. Yeah. When it, and it, but I wouldn't. I mean, if I'd have watched it, it probably would have went and swirled and then took it back northeast. But I would go in there and I'd check the wind, and I'm like, man, that, that weather, man, that weather. They don't even know what way the wind's blowing down here. Can't nobody. They, they predict it like they do rain, you know. Yeah. And um. And then I get in the stand and check the wind, and it'd be blowing the direction they said it was. Right. So I found out, I learned pretty quick, and it took a couple. It was a it was a couple of times of trial and error because I didn't want to believe that, you know, that I was I was seeing stuff. But but it, I mean, it was playing tricks on me. Is what it, I mean. It really was the wind, and the thermals and stuff. And 
were playing tricks on my mind when I when I blew that wind windicator or wind checker or whatever I had with me at the time. And usually if ninety percent of the time if I would check the weather, I would check the weather out before going in. And if it said what direction the wind was gonna be blowing I got in the stand, that's what way it'd be blowing. So I learned early on, I learned this year really full blown, full force this year, because I started hunting out of ground blinds and I started paying more attention to the wind that I would base where I hunted of off what the weather said and not necessarily what my wind checker said. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, I mean, you hunted out of some ground blinds last year, but I've always, I've always had the, I've always loved hunting on the ground. Yeah. Without a, without a ground blind. And I've seen, I, I guarantee you I've probably seen twice as many deer hunting on the ground as I have hunting out of a deer stand. Yeah. And hunting on the ground, I mean, sitting on the ground, just going out there and sitting, I mean, that's how it, how it's been done for years. People just go sit up against a tree and see some deer. With the bow, though, you got to have the ground blind provides, it, it provides oh, yeah. a sense of security in the ground blind for the hunter. Right, right. Um, but down here, like, you see a lot of shows out in the Midwest, and they're like, well, we just put this ground blind up today and we're going to hunt it, you know, this evening. And they go in there and they shoot a big deer. And deer down here, I mean, I, those guys put in all their time. They put in a lot of time. They plan and they, and they kill those big deer in the Midwest. And and I'm not taking anything away from them. But down here, it's just, there, there has to be, and everybody says, oh, well, I shot this big 10-pointer in Georgia and, and I killed him and, and blah, blah, this. And, and I understand that you can be in the right place at the right time. I killed the big eight-pointer at Gantz Place in Harris County, and I was just, no, I didn't pay attention to any wind or anything, dude. I just went and got in a stand and was just sitting there for moral support for Peyton when he was he was hunting the other side. Yeah. Um, and, well, Gant, and, Gant had, and Gant had already told us that he had seen a couple of nice bucks, but most of the bucks he was seeing consistently were just two-and-a-half-year-old bucks. Um, so when when I saw this deer, I was surprised, but um, paid no attention to wind. But I want, I want to consistently kill mature deer in Georgia in the in the South, especially in Georgia, and 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 I hunt a lot. I mean I don't I mean I'm not I don't I don't pick and choose what days I go. I go when I can. Right. And and I, I mean I work a full time job, and, and that comes first. As as far as planning my hunt, so I just I got I hunt when I can, but I hunt a lot. Um, so the place the, these these places are, are are pressured, and but I will I will say that since I've started hunting the wind and I took my scent control up like three levels, um, I saw more deer this year than I ever have in twenty years. Well, we picked yeah well. In last year, before before deer season came in, we we picked up we we were we talked with uh, Daryl Tyler at Three D Hunting Supply. Yeah. And he makes the uh, the uh, cover sense, and I think I really think that that was a game changer. Dude, that I mean, I, there's no doubt. The only thing I did different this year from what I did last year, which I still saw deer last year, but I did not see anywhere near the numbers of deer that I saw this year. There were a couple of things I did. I really paid attention, really, really paid attention to the wind, and I used that uh, 3D hunt supply cover sense from Daryl. And, like, they just, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's crazy. That white, oak, that white oak scent is, oh yeah. is that, money. I like the bedding scent to me. I would, it didn't smell good because it smells like deer, but I would, I would get in the stand and I would spray down with it. Yeah, well, every time I would use the bedding scent, I would, I would spray like all around the tree mm-hmm. on the tree I would cover myself with the white oak and I didn't and do that but I but usually um I I would I would get in the stand and I would sp- just spray down head to toe with bedding sand and I I was in between uh, two bedding areas and there those deer were frequent in and out of those bedding areas and after hunting this place 20 years I finally realized that I needed to hang a stand on this closer to that bedding area where I could see those deer coming out of there and it, it was just it's crazy but I only hunted it with the right wind 
the couple of times that I messed up and got in there on the wrong wind just because I was excited and I wanted to go in there, I saw no deer. Yeah. If I hunted it with the wrong wind, I saw no deer. Um, I saw more deer in the mornings coming out of the bedding area than I did in the evening. And, um, but yeah, dude, Daryl's like, Daryl's stuff just, I used, I used Scent Crusher last year, the ozone stuff. And I used it a year before, and I, I take it every, like, I mean, I'm hard. The scent control thing is like, I just, I focus on that. People, and people say, you know, oh, I went in there and I was scent free and this and that, and the deer blew at me. You can never, ever, I don't care what they come out with, you can never be scent free to a, a whitetail. No, there's no way. Mm-mm. Nobody can do that. You can be nine. You might you might be able to get to ninety percent or ninety eight percent. What it is 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 you need to bring those the levels down. The sense that trigger danger to deer, you have to bring them down into a manageable zone where those deer will say, if, if a deer is downwind or a deer happens to smell you, then they say, okay, I smell it, but it's not at a danger level. I, I smell a I smell a bad smell that I need to be worried about. But it's not at a it's not at a dangerous level where right. I need to be on where I need to be I need to get out of here. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of times when you see deer and they're downwind and they're they're walking and they're alert but they're not blowing. You know they're not they're just kind of timid, kind of nervous acting, but they're not really blowing out of there. Right. They smell something. <clears throat> a lot of people will 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 say that like oh that deer came in and it was downwind and and it was it was gonna run off but it just it just Walking off like what nothing didn't nothing happen. The deer catch that smell, and they know that it's a smell of danger, or they associate it with danger. But in my mind, I'm not a wildlife biologist either. This is just what I've acquired over the years. And they 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 associate that smell that they caught with danger, but it's not at a level where they need to be alert. Yeah, I think that's that's how I think. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the same way pretty much. I think. I think deer smell everything. Yeah. And I think they, I mean, sometimes they smell certain things and they're just like, eh, okay, you know. As long as it's not, if they don't see it as a threat, then they don't pay it any attention. And and it's like you said, you know, hunting with the wind and consistently killing deer. Yeah. And that goes a lot with the wind. I, I just think deer down here are they've been i don't know what the, what's i'm drawing a blank but the word i'm looking for basically they've they've been trained to know you know what right what hunters are like they've been pressured way more i do believe and, and i and i also believe that deer can deer can evolve to a smell and and realize that that's like over time if if you keep doing this and do this and they 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 put two and two together and they say, okay, this is new, but if you, so if you take a property that hadn't been hunted in 15 years, right? That's everybody's, you know, dream piece, man. It hadn't been deer hunted in 15 years. And you hunt that property for five straight years. Eventually though, when you go in there for the first couple of years and deer, oh yeah, they act different. And, and I actually had the opportunity to witness a piece of property like this, um, not far from here, about 20 minutes that hadn't been hunted and the deer just the deer didn't care yeah but if you hunt a property if you continue to hunt that property the deer will eventually learn oh, yeah. that they're being hunted or that not i mean deer aren't where they're, they ain't gonna run around talking to each other saying hey somebody in here hunting <laughs> but, but like they learn to associate the smell of whatever they're smelling that triggers the danger sign they put two and two together and they say yeah. okay i got i smell this i need to leave right it doesn't. It doesn't take them long. No, like, it, no. I mean, that piece of property that Philip has, he's he got it, and about two years ago, and I hunted it with him some, and it goes for it. It's, it works. It's the same for turkeys too. Uh, we hunted. You know, first year, it hadn't been hunted in at least at least ten years. Yeah, and and you can tell like every time you pull in. They would be, you know, they you'd see deer, you'd see turkeys out in the pastures, and they'd just stand there and look at you. But a year later, every time you pull in, if you see a deer, yeah. as soon as it sees that vehicle, yeah, it's gone. Gone. And uh, 
but that's what I was going to say is I, I just think deer in the south have have been pressured way more and you you have so many more hunters per acre right in, down here yeah. like in the midwest like I mean, and, and like you said, I mean, don't get me wrong, them guys, they work hard and they work their tails off and they put in the work. But I think deer in the South, like, they they look up. Yeah, yeah. The, the deer, and, and I've been told by a lot of guys that, that, you know, a lot of the deer, like, the the young, especially the younger deer, like, they just walk and they're looking on the ground. That's where deer ain't in the tree. They're on the ground. So when they're walking through there and you <clears> rattle a two-and-a-half-year-old buck or whatever in, they're looking up. Yeah. Around here, dude, you got a buttonhead come in, and I mean, if you freaking bat your eyelids loud, he's looking up. Yeah. I mean, straight up. And I hunt, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people that that I take hunting, um, I and I, uh, we'll get. I, I'll say something about that after a while. But a lot of people that I take hunting, I hang my stands really high. Um, and, but it don't matter. Yeah. It don't matter if you're 15 feet or 30 feet. These deer down here will look up until they see something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. They're just, they're so much more on edge. But when you do, like, I've and I noticed since I've stepped up my scent control game, um, the deer don't seem as nervous as they have in, in years past. And I think all that is a factor that I've, I've stepped up my scent control game, which, I mean, I take... Every, before every hunt I mean if I'm going hunting even if I'm in a rush I take a shower with with some kind of sin elimination soap uh, may you sin eliminating deodorant I, you use the uh, you use the the scent the hand the hand the, soap the too. hand sanitizer hand yeah. sanitizer and you know it, you only get that stuff in like a little in a little you can only get it in the kit and uh, actually, I bought some of it actually last year off eBay where I found it in, in a single. But you know, it probably you probably don't. It probably doesn't have to go that far. But I feel like your hands touch everything, and it's kind of like if when your hands touch everything, it's kind of like if you went to a, a mud puddle or or you you went to a mud puddle like, and you put your hands in it, your hands would be covered in mud. Yeah. So when you touch all this stuff. When you're touching everything, even like the doorknob, like when you're leaving the house and you grab the doorknob, everybody's been touching that doorknob coming in and out of the house. So, you know, people touching people touching that doorknob. When you touch it, it's like I mean, if 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 scent was water, yeah, it would be on you. I mean, scent you just can't see it, but it's there. Yeah. Um, and you know, they make the they also make that uh, that scent free gum too. Yeah, I ain't never tried that. Gummiflage <laughs> is what it is. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing, the only step, I mean, like, dude, I, I, I ozone, I run everything through scent crusher. I have underwear that I only wear for deer hunting. Yeah. Socks, I, man, my socks, I have socks that I only wear for deer hunting. Um, and then all my clothes. The only thing I don't do that I'm going to change this year, and I, because I'm so, I'm just so hardcore about scent control, and this is going to sound really stupid. I'm going to run like towels, like the towels that I draw off with when I get out of the shower. I'm going to run them through the ozone box too and, and treat the towel. Yeah, um, that's actually not. There because are, most most time the towels are washed with detergent. You're not, you know, right. you're not you're, gonna be like, you're not. I'm gonna well, wash. It, I'm gonna wash these towels. Yeah. These are my hunting towels. I'm gonna wash them. Well, I mean, it's just like I mean, if you take a shower, if you think about it, I mean, if you really are into that scent control thing, a hundred percent, you might as well be a hundred percent. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you if can't you, if you take a scent-free shower and then wipe off, you with dry a, off with a game. with a downy yeah towel yeah. I mean that's not that's really not that crazy. I mean I know there's some people out there that go to that extreme. Like uh, I listen to the uh, the Drury 100% Wild podcast a lot, and Mark Drury that's what he does. He he has his own washing machine. Yeah, if I had if I had if I had money control. like like the Drury's probably do, I would. <laughs> I'm telling like it would be. I wouldn't just have. My, I'd have my like I'd have a bathroom 
with one with the ozone room cleaner, and I had that thing. Like I, I'm telling you, man, I'm just. You'd have your ozonics hanging yeah, up in your bathroom. Yeah, in the bathroom. Um, that's how hardcore I am. I don't have an ozonic. I don't. I can't say I don't believe they work because I do use ozone to treat my clothes. Um, I would have one if I could get my hands on one for like a. It had to be a really good fucking. The only thing I've heard about those ozonics is, is it, they do work, but they sometimes they can be finicky, and I think it depends on the like how the thermals are yeah. and what the and, pressure and, is, dew point, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and and. I mean, I've heard they work, and I don't like I said I don't know how they would work here, but I would like to I would like to try one. I'd like to get my hands on it and try it and see if it made any difference. But right now, the the ozone, the scent crusher box, and the Daryl Tyler's three D stuff has just been killer. I cannot remember the last time I I really can't remember ever I have shot to mature deer in the same year yeah and the only thing i did this year the only thing i did different really from the year year before was i started using 3d hunt supply yeah i mean but uh, that's i think that's just that's just the way it is i mean that's you know that's what we do here you know with strut south we we just want to show everybody that what we do is real and i mean what we kind of have to, I mean, of course, all of us want to shoot a 180, 190 inch deer, yeah. but with that said, I mean, you have to look at our location and where yeah. we live, and it's definitely possible to shoot a deer of that size, but you have to, depending on your, your, um, well, I'm, I'm at a loss for words today, but depending on your situation, you have to figure out what your standards are going to be. Yeah. My standard is, my my goal is, I really don't care what the deer's rack looks like. Everybody wants to shoot a deer with a big rack and all that, and I, I understand 100% on that end, but my goal, I set, I set a, a logical goal, which is, I'm not chasing a deer with all the inches. I want him to be mature, and I'm not talking, I'm not trying to shoot the oldest deer in the woods. I'm just, I want to shoot mature deer, which yeah. around here, I think a mature deer is four and a half years old. I think there are some three and a half year old exceptions. Shorty B last year was three and a half years yeah. old. I, yeah. There's no way, and there's no way I could let that deer walk. Right. There, there, there's Around here, there's just no way. Even though that deer was three and a half years old with his with his rack, I just, I mean, I, there's no way anybody, any, any, real person that hunts a real piece of property in this area would let that deer walk on their place. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you I, gotta, I couldn't do it. You have to take your chances when you get them here. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to knock anybody for shooting a two-year-old deer. I mean, because I know I've shot plenty of them. And I have too. If I see, I mean, it to me, if I see a deer... And he gets me excited, and I and I look at him, and I'm like, all right, that's that's a good looking deer. Yeah. I'm gonna shoot him. Yeah. I mean, but I do. I want to shoot mature bucks. I mean, that's my goal yeah. too. And I think when hunting down here in the south, it's just when you get your chance, you've got to take it because down here, the way the season is laid out, and the amount of people that hunt. It's it's really tough because you've got I mean you've got all the stuff you've got to think about you've got all the cover because deer have all the cover in the world that they would would ever want yeah they have you've also got the terrain as far as you've got hills you've got valleys you've got you know all the bottoms you got flats I mean I mean you got saddles you got bottoms I mean you got fields I mean everything that deer want they have it down here times a hundred yeah and that makes it even harder to find yeah. them so you got to do your scouting has to be way more intense and then you can't just pull on the side of the road and look out in the cornfield or a soybean field in the summer and watch deer right. well it, that's it makes it harder to pattern deer i do i yeah. truly believe it is way oh, harder yeah. to pattern deer no doubt that's why the 
like I don't I, I don't I don't know but I I would think that the the invention of the the trail camera wasn't as big as a deal in the Midwest, but there's a lot of crop and farmland where you can watch the deer come out in the fields in the summer as it was down in the south. Yeah. Because tra- trail cameras, and and to and to an extent, sometimes it, when you run a trail camera on your property, it makes you, like, you kind of, back in the day when you, nobody, you know, nobody had trail cameras, you would just go hunt and you just, whoa, there's a, look at that buck, I'm going to shoot him. Um, but now, like, it may, it, it did, it, it was a plus for no doubt. I mean, tenfold. You, you get to kind of see what deer are on your property, but you don't have that surprise. But I run trail cameras religiously, and my problem is I check them too much. <laughs> that's that's my number one you, problem. You need to, you need to you need to get on a routine of at least every two weeks. Yeah, two weeks is man. I have nine thousand pictures. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I had to buy three. Some, I'd had to buy some hundred twenty eight megabyte cores, gigabyte cores. Well, you got to put put your put your camera on thirty second intervals. Nah, I can't do it. I'll miss something. <laughs> and then I need that three shot mode on every. Checking 10 them seconds. every three days is uh, that's a little intense. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I try to wait at least a week yeah. most of the time. Sometimes I go two weeks. But no, that's that's what I was gonna say. Was it's just that's one another thing I was gonna add was. I think the biggest problem or the thing that makes hunting the South the hardest is the way that our season is laid out. Yeah. Because our season comes in the second weekend of September and it goes all the way till the second week of January, basically. But once it gets the third weekend of October you can hunt with a rifle from then all the way till the yeah. end of the season. So you've got a solid two and a half months of nothing but rifle hunting. Yeah. And I mean, and, but, and that's what I was, you know, when somebody shoots a two year old deer, I mean, if they want to shoot one, that's great. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody that they can't. And, Dude, but, I've, shot, I've shot well more than my fair share of two and a half year old deer. But I think, years. I really think that that, I think we would definitely definitely see more mature bucks if our rifle season was different. Yeah. I tell you a funny story about shooting young deer. I'm gonna I'll share something with y'all. Last year I shot a doe out of a ground blind at like ten yards, um, and I just I want I want to tell anybody that wants to start hunting out of a ground blind. It's awesome, man. And when you have deer that close and you hunt the wind right, and and you can get away with a little bit of movement, it is just like unreal. But I had a Pretty, pretty cool morning. Kind of more mild than it was cool, probably. High thirties, low low forties. Um, sitting in the ground blind, and I mean, as soon as the sun came up, put your minds me. Remind me to hit on a point about um, how I hunt the deer stands now. Okay. Also, um, anyway, so I'm sitting there watching this doe, and I'm just like, man, that is a big mature doe. She's gonna come right in front of the blind. I'm gonna shoot her. It's gonna be awesome. So I'm sitting there and like clockwork, I mean, she just, there's just, I got, I had this doe on the wooded track, this really big doe. She doesn't have phones anymore and she's just huge. She's going to die old age because I cannot for the life of me kill that deer. And I've tried and I've had her in bow range and daylight and she's just something about that deer. I just cannot kill her. But I, I and I estimate her to be around 10 and a half years old. I mean, she is just massive. Anyway, um, Doe comes in, walks from blind. I smoked her, like literally ten yards. I mean, just freaking smoked her, and I'm just fired up. I get fired up when I shoot any deer, especially with my bow. Um, and I'm just like, just tore up. You know, I get out of the blind. I'm looking for her, and I look about forty yards, and I see her belly. You know, she's belly up, white belly laying there. I was like, oh yeah, and I go out there and I find my arrow. And when I walk up there, it's pretty much a yearling. <laughs> and I could just, the ground blind thing changes the game so much. When those deer are in front of you at 10 yards and you're on the ground in that ground blind, oh, yeah. they look so much bigger. Mm-hmm. So much bigger. And it, like, that just, it, when I walked up to that deer, <laughs> like, I was, I was shocked. I 
could not believe that that doe, she wasn't, I've shot, I, tell, I put it to you like this, I've shot smaller does. Well, that's funny. I mean, that, I've had the same exact thing happen to me. I was hunting out of a stand. But it wasn't, I was I was even in the stand, but, and I do agree with you, when, when you're in that ground blind, they look, the deer look way bigger than they actually are, as far as body size. Yeah. And, uh, but I was hunting in the stand, and I had a little doe come in, and I shot her, and, you know, I, she dropped right there where I shot her at and everything, and I got down there to her, and I could pick her up with one hand. Yeah, like, I couldn't pick this one up with one hand. She wasn't. <laughs> she didn't like much. But that was the reason why was she was by herself. I mean, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was young and yeah. But but that was the thing, you know. When You're trying to when justify it, saying yeah, because yeah, I did mine to. last year. No, well, I did this when I was. <laughs> this has been at least ten years ago. But but she was all by herself, so that. It definitely makes it harder to tell, especially if it's if it's a doe and a buck. I mean, you're gonna know how big he is. But yeah, yeah. If it's a doe and they're all by themselves, sometimes it it makes it's kind of tough to really know how big body size they get. And, and usually when they when they're off, when you're sitting on the ground, a deer's a hundred yards or so. You, I mean, you can tell a lot better when they're in there close. At like, when yeah. you're on the ground, that deer's like ten yards away from you. They just look, you just, you're like, oh. Like, when I walked up on her, I was like, now, where did the other doe go? (laughs) There must have been one that, I went back and watched the footage, and it was the same deer. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I want to touch something, too, that before we wrap this thing up, because we're probably getting close to wrapping it up. Another thing that I started doing two years ago, I told myself, I go back. I go back even further than that. When I was fourteen years old, um, I hunted with my stepdad some, and and actually I hunted with him a lot growing up. And if we hunted in the morning, we always got in the stand like super early, like real, real early. I mean, just sitting in the dark with nothing to do, and the sun ain't even. You can't even see it coming over top of the tree. So, I was always bad about not getting in the stand early. Like I'd kind of bebop down through there, you know right when you could just barely see a little bit to walk through the woods without a light. So this year in my morning hunts, I changed it up and I went I went to the stand and like, I got in there early. Like, I mean, I would just be sitting in the dark, 25 foot up in the tree or sitting in the ground blind. It would just be like pitch black dark. Some mornings I got in there, like I, under, I overestimated how early I need to get in there and I would literally sit in the stand for like an hour and a half <laughs> before the sun came up. Um, so it um, but I, I did I started getting in the stand very very early so that that was just one of the things I think that also helped me see some deer oh yeah that I think getting in the stand getting in the stand early really helps especially if you're going to hunt mornings I think I think more so in the mornings than it does oh yeah end. if you're going to hunt in the morning time I mean <sighs> I mean, this isn't the law. Like, you don't have to do this. But if you're going to, and especially if, if you only get certain, you know, so many opportunities to hunt, you just got to hunt when you can. But I think if you're going to hunt in the mornings, you might as well get in there as early as you can. And if you can't, especially, especially early season. Now, rut, that's a little different. But especially early season, if you can't get in there, before daylight then you might as well just wait and yeah. go that evening yeah because especially early season like once it right at that cracking daylight time i mean that's when the deer are up that's yeah. when they're just when you're gonna see them yeah but ain't no doubt i think uh i think that's about it I don't, yeah you I got can, anything else i could probably add a lot more but that's pretty much that's pretty much the rundown of what i yeah. do I'm, I'm hardcore Hardcore scent control fanatic and people around here just, you know, a lot. It of is. People, it is a. It is a. a I want. I want maybe a. It's not a, a stressful it's a, topic. It's a pain. It's, it is. It is a. Some people, don't even want to talk about it. Some people don't even think that it's a factor. Yeah. And a lot of people, just don't even think that you can even hunt the wind. Yeah. And. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle. I kind of 
I kind of agree with both sides somewhat. I kind of agree with both sides to an extent, but I, I think hunting the wind here, I, I think last year taught me that it's feasible. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I think, I I think, think your chances are, are better. Like I said, it, there's been a lot of people go out and they just shoot deer and they just hunt wherever they want to. Yeah. But a lot of times the wind is blowing in the right direction. They oh, don't yeah. account for that. They just get they get well, lucky. Well, I mean, yeah, most time, the if right you direction. kill if you kill a deer, so you if anybody, I don't. It doesn't matter to me if you kill a deer that's 150 inches or whatever. How and that deer is, came in from the, you, the right wind direction. Yeah, he just didn't smell you. Right. That's why you killed him. Um, and they don't they don't think about that stuff like that. yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, like I said, man, I, I'm I'm just I'm a I'm I am. I believe I believe I am a scent control fanatic. Like I said, I talked to you about. It. I'm gonna get me some towels that I only hunt with and dry off with and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. Take, take. I tell you what else you can do too, in the early season. Number one problem everybody has, especially down here, hunting in September. Yeah. You get in the woods Sweating. and you're pouring sweat. Yeah. I usually <laughs> walk in. You, I walk in there in my underwear. Take you some rags that you have washed. Yeah. With your sense, with your scent-free soap or whatever, take them with you. Usually, and use them to wipe off the sweat. I buy. I go to Academy, or wherever Academy Sports or wherever, and I buy or I order <clears> them <throat> offline. The dead downwind field wipes. Right. I remember you telling me about. They're those. wet and they and like 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 you said down here. I, I was just kidding about walking to the woods in my underwear, but. Um, that is a good idea. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I usually do pack, in, in the early season, if I'm going to bow hunt, I usually do pack most of my clothes in, and I'll have, like, my pants and a real thin, yeah. real thin T-shirt, like a um, a, scent, a scent lock base layer shirt I've cut the sleeves out of, or, or it's got real short, real light shirt, and I usually uh, just have that on, and my pants and my boots and the rest of stuff is in my pack going right. in, and then... When I get in the stand, I'll wipe my arms down and stuff with those field wipes and wipe my face off and take my hat off, wipe my head, and then put my clothes on. Yeah. And it does help. You can't beat the heat down here. No. You're going to sweat. it does help, yeah. You're going to sweat. And I think, I think, I mean, I mean, if it, I mean, we know, we all know deer can smell. So I, the way I look at it is, you know, why not, why not at least try to. And I quit using scent elimination sprays too. By the way, I, yeah, I used to be hardcore about the scent elimination stuff and, and using the spray. But once I use the ozone stuff and and Daryl's three D stuff, I flat out the field. I do use the field wipes, but only because I can't take a wet rag in the woods. So I, those field wipes go in my backpack real good, and I can just pull them out and wipe off. And and they have they come in a like a little peel and lift lid on them type on the pack where you can close them back up. They're resealable. There we go. Yeah. Re- resealable. Yeah, there you go. And they're resealable. <laughs> and uh, and they're awesome, so. Well, I think that's yeah. I think that's about it. So I guess we'll just go ahead and wrap it up and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Yeah. I'm about to go fishing.